Young women have been growing up with an indoctrination of what womanhood is and what it should be. They've been taught everything that is in direct opposition to the Word of God. Young women who want to be different from the world are rare, but they are real. On this Rare But Real podcast, Audrey Brogy will often be joined by her daughter, Grace Anna, and her daughters-in-law, Maureen, Kesset, and Marilyn, who desire to be discerning in a day when everything seems to go against God's design. Join them in the journey of becoming rare but real. It takes courage and conviction. And now, Audrey Brogy. Hey there, I am so glad to be able to record a podcast on this early Sunday morning, right after Thanksgiving when my house was filled with all of my family, and I have two little grand boys who stayed behind to be with us for a few days, and I am so thankful for all that uh, God did in our family. It was just a really great time with so many people under my roof and lots of laughter, lots of conversation, just so much fun. And thanks to the Lord for his good gifts to us. And one of the things that we did um, while everyone was home was um, the girls and I hosted a baby shower for Marilyn and Jameson, well, we hosted it for Maryland. It was a girl thing. And, um, and it was just so fun to have everybody here. And then we had a few friends who came and joined us, but we were just so happy to be able to do that while we were all here. And I love the fact that on Friday morning, my granddaughters, um, de- did so much work decorating for it. Um, I, had ordered some supplies for them just to make it pretty and make it pretty they did it was just really great and I shared some things at the um, shower that I want to share today on the podcast and I hope it will be an encouragement to you I'll share some of the things that that I shared there and then a little bit more um, that I would probably would have shared but I didn't want to make the devotional part too long and I wanted to give opportunity for my um daughters and granddaughters to share and say anything or anybody that was there to, to say anything that would be encouraging for Marilyn as she and Jameson are welcoming their first baby into their lives. But again, I was just so happy that the granddaughters were there, that they were excited to be there. And for my girls, it was just great. And Carl and I, you know, we're so grateful for our children. We know they are our greatest gifts in this life. And that's what I wanted to talk about as we gathered. Um, And I had my daughter read um, Psalm 127, which says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. You know, you see a lot of gifts in this chapter. You see the gift of work, you see the gift of sleep, and then you see the gift of children and even the gift of growing old and the impact your own children have on your life in your older years. And it's interesting, you know, that I spoke of growing older as a gift, but it is, 
And it, it really is. And in this day and age in which we live, when women are fighting aging so much, they don't want to get older. They don't want to have wrinkles. They don't want, you know, the, the, all the things that come with growing older. But growing older is a gift, just like um, having a, a newborn, fresh face baby is a gift. All this whole walk in this life is a gift. And God tells us over and over in his word that we are pilgrims. This is a pilgrim journey journey. And, um, and so all of these things, and you see all these gifts in this chapter, verse three says, behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And I love the way the scripture says that children are gifts and they're not just gifts. They're not just random gifts, but they're gifts from him. That's what he says. He's reminding us that only he can give them. Only he can create a child. Only God can entrust us with them. You know, God is the one who entrusts us with our children. I think about that. That's pretty amazing because we're sinful people. We know our faults and frailties, or we should know them, or at least I don't know about you, but I learn new faults and frailties all the time as I continue on in this pilgrim journey. But God still entrusts us with children to raise them for his glory. And we know that from Psalm 139, that children are fearfully and wonderfully made, but they're not made by us. We don't make those babies. Sometimes we use that phrase, oh, look what we made. We didn't make those babies, and they didn't come to us by our labors or by how hard we worked. God says they are His gifts. They are a heritage from the Lord. And of course, nor do we earn our children. They're not our payment for being good people. God says, no, they are a a fruit of the womb. And though God calls them a reward in Scripture, it's so important for us to realize that it is in the sense of a gracious gift from Him, an inheritance from Him. Children show us the sovereign handiwork of the Lord. They show us how delightful God is because of how delightful children are. He gives us children and they bring us so much joy. They bring us so much laughter. All the cute things they say, some of the things that we want to write down because we want to tuck it away in our minds and our memories. They are so rewarding. In that sense, they are such rewards. And God is so pleased to give them to us. They are designed by Him. They are His workmanship. And children show us how the daily blessings that we receive every day, too, are gifts from Him. Again, just the things they say, how they make us laugh, that is a gift. And then verse 4 says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Now, if we think about an arrow, it's meant to be aimed. It's shoots further than the archer because that's what he's doing. He's springing that bow back and the arrow goes and it goes far in front of him. It goes ahead of him. And I think about this a lot at this stage of my life. I think about it as I look at my own grown children and my grandchildren and the ones yet to be born. And I think about how these are such gracious gifts who will live so much longer and further than I will. They will go further in this life. And that's why it's so important how we raise them that we are intentional about raising our children according to the scripture. And then verse five, keeping with this archery theme, he says, how blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now, quiver is just an archery term, but it's the holder where the archer keeps his arrows and they're typically carried on his body, uh, on his back or, or uh, in a uh, 
um, on his side, close to his heart. They're carried there. They're with him. There's a picture God has for us there. Because think about our bodies as women. They are the holders for these babies when God begins to knit them together. He knits them together in our wombs. That's what he does. And our bodies are the holders. That's the quiver where we are holding our children. It's safe and it's protected. We're keeping them close there, but we're going to aim them. We're going to do that. And then when they're born and that we welcome them into our homes, our home is the quiver. It's the place where we hold our children close. It's the place where we nurture them and snuggle them and teach them the things of God and welcome them and instruct them and train them and discipline them. We keep them close. But then as they grow and as they mature, we are to aim them. And we're doing that all along as they're growing up in our homes. We're here a little, there a little, precept upon precept. We're teaching them the ways of God. And, and because we know that they are going to leave that holder, they're going to leave it, they're going to be aimed, and they're going to make their way in the world. And we want them to stand firm for the Lord. I love that picture. Our homes, our bodies are the places where God has given us to hold our arrows as we're preparing to aim them forward. God is telling us that children are blessing and having them is a wonderful thing. And he's also telling us that we have a job to do as we raise them. And it's important for us to remember that children are not burdens, though so often that's the way our world views them. They're just like a ball and chain around our foot and they keep us from doing important things. No, they are the important things. They are the things that, uh, the well, they're not things, but, but they humble us. They teach us to depend upon the Lord. That's another reason why they are blessings because of the ways they make us grow up in the faith. And neither though are they belongings because a lot of um, parents today think, oh, these children belong to me. They don't belong to us. They belong to the Lord. They are on loan from him and we are to take good care of them as we seek to aim, aim them into the future. And not only are they not belongings in the sense that they don't belong to us, but neither are they little belongings, something that we accumulate. Oh, we have a house now. We have our cars. Now we need a child. No, they're not belongings in that sense either, just to look cute and to say, look what we made or or how beautiful they are or how talented they are. No, they're not our belongings in that sense either. They come from God. We cannot make babies. We are, they are the living reminders of God's handiwork. They are a living heritage. You know, I think about too, all the stuff we accumulate and some of the things that um, are passed down from generation to generation, whether it's a beautiful necklace or whether it's a piece of furniture, those kinds of things. And a lot of those things are very special because of what took place, what we remember about our parents or our grandparents and what was meaningful. But our real wealth is not measured in those kinds of things. Our real wealth is measured in in, in the legacy that we leave in the souls of our children and our grandchildren. Now, I have to say, because we've been talking about children being great blessings, and they are, but they also bring a lot of worry. They also bring about increased responsibilities. They bring about more trials in our lives. They just do. And they bring headaches in our lives. They just do, because it's hard to raise children. But no matter what, our children are blessings beyond that, because even the trials and even the responsibilities and the increased worry are blessings as well. We don't think of them that way, but they are 
blessings because they teach us to run to God. Now, a lot of people run away from God when they face hard things in their lives and they say, why is God doing this? Why is God treating me this way? But God wants to use those things to help us run toward Him because when we let God use those rough patches in our lives and we look to Him and we trust Him through it, He develops even further our trust muscle. It becomes stronger for the next trial that we will face. We know that God is faithful. We know that He will help us. We know that He will help us as we teach to, as we, um, it, uh, teach and instruct our children because we have to trust God with our children. Think about it. We've already talked about how we can't create them, but neither can we save them. We can't control them. And if they do, when they come to know the Lord, we can't make them walk with the Lord. We can't get inside their hearts and change how, what their um, change the atmosphere of their hearts. You know, I used to tell my children and my grandchildren, you know, like imagine that there was a knob on their on their chest and and you could turn the knob, you know, if they were pouty or they were whining about something, I say, hey, turn that knob. It's a choice. And I would, but I couldn't turn the knob for them. They had to do that. But God does tell us that we can bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In fact, not that we can, but we get to, and not that not only can we, and that we get to, but that is a command from God in Ephesians. He tells us specifically to bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And all the while we're remembering that they are not ours, but they have been entrusted to us by God himself. And God expects us to raise them for his glory. He expects us to aim those arrows who hopefully by his grace will stand for Christ long after they leave the holders of our bodies in our homes and long after we are gone because most of the time the normal course of life is that parents are that children bury their parents and the parents are gone and they leave that living legacy of their children to continue on in this life and God reminds us all throughout scripture that we are pilgrims this is a pilgrim journey we are passing through this world is not our home but while we are here we are to invest our years wisely and we are to see them through the eyes of the Lord, and we are to see our children through the eyes of the Lord as well. Now, in the context of Psalm 127, the psalmist is talking about children who have been brought up in the Lord. Because children who have, brought, have been brought up in the Lord, they are the ones who learn the scripture and they honor their father and mother as their parents age. I love this last phrase in the psalm when the scripture says they will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Now think about it. Not only are, are our children gifts when they come to us in the womb and then when they are in our arms and then that as they are babies and toddlers growing up up in our homes and we scoop them up and we sing to them and we read to them and all the things they bring into our lives, but they are also gifts to us in our old age. And as we become, as they become adults, they are such gifts because, you know, when I was raising my kids, I just was like, this is going to go so fast. I love this time with my kids and I love answering their questions. I love being with them. I just love the level of activity that they brought into my home and I'm not to and as I say that I'm not saying that from a sense of nostalgia because I remember the hard things too so I'm not saying that but but I look at the, all those hard things that 
I walk through with my children, whether it was illnesses or, or attitudes or whatever it was, because God used those things to grow me. But then he also gave enough levity and so much laughter in our home that it was just such a blessing. But I, I would think of it and I think I just, I want it to stay like this forever, but no, it's a gift for them to grow up. It's a gift for them to become uh, adults. And it's a gift for us to be old, to get old and to see how they are living their lives. And so in this verse, the they is speaking of the children who grow up and become defenders of their parents, even their parents' enemies. They defend their parents to those who speak badly of them. They come to their aid. Think of it when you're raising your children. If people st- like you, you may deal with your children's inconsistencies and their sin natures and, and you see their faults and their flaws and you're trying to help them through that. But if someone else starts beating up on your children verbally, I'm not talking about physically, or they're t- talking bad about your children, hey, you're going to defend your child. You become that grizzly mama. You become the one who's, you know, deal. you deal honestly with your children, obviously, because you want to hear. But I'm talking about unjust criticism of your children. You're going to defend your children. And that's the same thing that we do for our parents um, when they are old. We defend their, our parents. We become this wonderful defense for our parents for th- and, and for their honor. You know, it's a humbling thing to grow older, but it is a reward. That's what the Bible says. It's a gift because in old age, once again, you see your grown-up children whom you have cared for, whom you have loved more than life itself, whom you would die for. You see the return that they give to you. They, you see the care that they um, give. I think about this as I am, and my siblings and I are caring for our mother as she is aging. It's such a gift. It's God's grace. And though the raising of the little arrows is difficult and challenging at times, and I know I was a handful for my parents. I know I was very challenging as a child because I was so stubborn and strong-willed as a child. But now, as my mother needs so much care and love and making sure that she's cared for, it's my return. It's both my duty and my delight to care for her at this stage of her life until the Lord calls her home. And I'm reminded that as parents are faithful to their children, children will be faithful to their parents the way God tells us in Scripture. It's a different role. It's different but yet at the same time is something that God calls us to. And what a blessing in old age. Children who, like the children in Proverbs 31, who rose up and called their mother blessed, that's what children are to do with their parents when they get old. And as I, I say this, this is the general principle of Scripture. And I know there are a lot of um, children who grew up in very difficult, hard homes. But I'm talking about here the normal course of life as parents have loved their children and have cared for them, then it's the return that children give to their parents. And the children end up in, as they're grown ups, they defend their family, they defend their heritage, they defend, they don't make fun of their heritage, they don't, they don't join in scoffing of the of the way their parents did things that might have been different from them. No, they are arrows in their parents' quiver and they defend their parents. And God does these kinds of things as we depend upon him to help us raise our children. You know, Carl and I prayed for our children ever before God gave us the first one, ever before we knew whether God would even bless us with children because 
as God blesses with children and having children is a gift, so are the single years and so are the years when we don't have children or if he does not give children. It's all, everything that God gives is a gift from him. And children, um, you know, when, when God does give them, they're, it's, again, we, we're reminded that they are from the Lord. They, you know, my children, we have five and they are the most important people in our lives. Most important people in our lives. Carl and I pray for them all the time. We prayed for them way back in the day for the ones that they would eventually marry should the Lord call them to be married. And now that they've each found their soulmate, I, I like the, the verse from Song of Solomon says, I've found the one my soul loves. They've each found that. And so now their spouses have become our children in the sense of they're in they're in our hearts now too. And so we pray for them every single day. In fact, we were praying for them ever before we knew their names as well. And they have become in that group of the most important people in our lives. And then when they started having children, all of our grandchildren and the ones yet to be born and the ones who are now in heaven, they are our greatest gifts in this life. And I told Marilyn at the shower that, that her and Jameson's little girl will have Emma and Granddaddy praying for her all the days of her life. And we will be praying for her and for Jameson as they raise her. And, um, you know, there's a few other things that I would have liked to have shared at the shower, but um, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and include them on today as I'm recording this podcast. But I I love the passage in Matthew, as you think about raising children, in Matthew 6, the scripture says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Do you do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles, speaking of the unbelievers here, they eagerly seek all these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's so much like Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. He's saying we need the Lord for everything that we do in this life, that God is over it all and he will help us and care for us and all the things that even the commands he gives us. And we think, how am I going to do it? I remember thinking when I had young children, how am I going to mother these children? How am I going to tell them everything that they need to know? It's too great for me, but the task is not 
not too great for the Lord. And that's why God tells us not to worry because of who he is. How we, that's why in this passage in Matthew, he's reminding us that God clothes the grass of the field. And, and he's, he's pointing to us about how it's here today. It's gone tomorrow. God cares for you so much more than this. And you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear for clothing or how are you going to teach these children or how are you going to mother them? Because what God requires of us is that we seek him and he knows what we need as we are walking in this life. And he will help us as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then in Psalm 128, which is the one right, the next, very next one, He says this, how blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. And again, this psalm is pointing to the divine blessing of the Lord. And it points to everyday living, ordinary living, just where we live and breathe the mundane routines of life, like those who live peaceful, quiet lives, those who fear the Lord. And because this this chapter opens with the fear of the Lord and it ends with peace. And we know from scripture that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. God's blessings in our lives is so opposite from the world because the world equates blessing with leisure, money, celebrity fame, accumulating stuff, but God's greatest blessings are simple things, and they help us focus outward, not inward, and the blessed person is generally more at peace, because you see that in this psalm, how blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, how blessed, and you know, when you think about Moses' last exhortation in Deuteronomy 33, he's giving a blessing to the people before he died, and his blessing is an expression of praise, it speaks of happiness, it speaks of goodness, it speaks of peace. And then in verse 4 of Psalm 128, Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Verse 5, the Lord bless you from Zion. And it's, you know, and it doesn't mean that, you know, everyone all the time um, are blessed. I mean, these are blessed people who, you know, there are plenty of people who are blessed people and they're not married and they may never marry or they may never have children. You can think of people all throughout scripture like that, like John the Baptist, the Apostle Paul, and there's so many more. And we all know faithful, God-fearing people who didn't get married or they never had children, but they are blessed and honored by God. And it, because if they've walked with God and feared him, um, then God that they, they they have God's blessing in their life. I love that too. I just love the Psalms. It's so great for teaching us so much about God's um, blessings, about what he does in our lives through our children. I love Psalm 112 that says, praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. I mean, think about this as we're thinking about our children and the 
legacy we live behind. I mean, it's such a blessing that this world, this, this world of people who do not know the Lord, do not know that so, so many of the blessings that they are experiencing are from the Lord, and they don't even realize how good it is that there are so many Christians around them. They don't realize that. Christians, they think that, that they bring a lot of hate and hostility. There's a, They view Christians in the wrong way, but the reason this land has so many blessings too is just be, because of the blessing of Christians in this land. Scripture says, wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous. It is well with the man who is gracious and lends. He will maintain his cause in judgment for he will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is upheld. He will not fear until he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. He is given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. The wicked will see it and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Psalm 115 verse 13 says, He will bless those who fear the Lord, the small together with the great. Psalm 147 11, The Lord favors those who fear him, those who wait for his loving kindness. I, I just love this. And I love in Psalm 128 how you see that that man's fear of the Lord is the baseline of his home. His wife is on the same team. Together they shepherd their children in the fear of and for the glory of the Lord. And it's so different from the family lives that we're seeing in our day. Yet these are the everyday blessings of God as we fear God and as we walk in His way. That is what the Scripture teaches. Our lives can be fruitful Our lives are so fruitful because our children are a picture of this. And as a husband and wife together, raise them because, I mean, that's what the scripture says, that the woman is a fruitful vine within the house. That's what the scripture says. She's fruitful like a vine. A vine is rooted in a certain place. It's such a picture of a woman who is rooted in her home. She has set herself in her home. She doesn't wander about idly in the world like the young women who are described in first timothy 5 she's not a gossip and a busybody going from house to house talking about things not proper to mention she's not one of those women who stirs up strife no she covers a multitude of sins and neither is she like the proverbs 7 woman who is who is flaunting herself out there and dressing and inappropriately no she is rooted in her home she's productive in her home and she finds her greatest satisfaction and peace there she's not restless taking care of her home and she makes her home a haven for her children and for her family a place of beauty and of shelter and she's not afraid to have those children children because she knows the truth of Psalm 127. She knows she can't make a baby. No, she knows she can't earn a baby. She doesn't even expect that God necessarily will give her a baby because she but she knows that God is the giver of children and her heart longs for that so she prays to him that God will give her children because she knows that he's the only one who can do it. And I love too how this 
chapter describes children like olive plants around the table. I thought about that over Thanksgiving. I thought about how as I looked around my kitchen as I was trying to give life, taking care of, making it, you know, nice for them, trying to do everything I could within my means to have food and and water and and drinks and, you know, b- moving the trash out, just trying to make it nice for them as best I could. But I thought I would hear them laugh around the table. I'd hear them have conversation. I would see them enjoy one another's company. And I thought about how they were olive plants around my table and that they were and that their children were olive plants around our table because olive trees are valuable. They're they have a strong root system and they were such a wonderful thing to the Hebrews. Olive trees are fast growing and we know how fast our children grow. Olive trees live a long, long time. They live for centuries. I mean, it's it's just so true, and it's such a picture of how our children symbolize our legacy will endure long after we die. After we go home to be with the Lord, it will be our children and our grandchildren, and they are pictured as olive plants. And then, as they if if we bring them up in the nurture of an admonition of the Lord and we trust God to save them, then we'll know we'll enjoy them for all of eternity. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be because this is a pilgrim journey. We have to remember that. We have to teach that to our children. There's so much promise in our children and our grandchildren. There's so much to look forward to that some of that we'll never see because we'll never see it. But this is how we are blessed. And, and if we fear the Lord, that's what the scripture says. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Thus, talking about the children as olive plants. And then that this passage concludes with, The Lord bless you from Zion, and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. God lets us see a lot of the prosperity. You know, He lets us see these things. He he wants us to look ahead as we raise our babies. He wants us to look ahead. He wants us to see that. He wants us to understand that we will have influence beyond our own homes. But what takes place in our homes is so incredibly important. And it's so much more important than the stuff we accumulate. This prosperity is not talking about material wealth. God is speaking about spiritual influence, a godly heritage. That's how God measures our blessings in our spiritual legacy. And of course, we as people tend to long for worldly wealth more than we long for spiritual wealth. Because in verse 6 in Psalm 128, it says, Indeed, may you see your children's children. And of course, in the passage, it's clear he's speaking of grandchildren. Living long enough to see our children's children. Because grandchildren bring so much earthly joy. They just do. They don't even realize how much joy they bring. And I love Proverbs seventeen six. Grandchildren are the crown of old men, and the glory of sons is their fathers. It's such a blessing to have a baby. I was thinking about all these things as I was thinking about the baby shower that my girls and grandgirls and I were going to give for this newest addition to the Brogy Heritage. We're so thankful that God has seen fit to bless our family once again, and we're praying that God will bless us with more children to come. 
And um, as long as God gives Carl and me life and breath, we will do everything that we can to continue to pass on that spiritual legacy to them. And I told them that, and we tell them all the time, we pray for y'all all the time. Those are not words. Carl and I take that seriously. And we pray for ourselves that we would continue to grow until the Lord takes us home as we continue to walk this pilgrim journey, that we will continue to mature even more, that we would be more sanctified as with each passing day, that we would be more like Christ, that God would help us continue to learn more of the Lord. We want to know the Lord as best we can in this life, and we want to pass that on to our children and grandchildren. And I certainly hope that all of you who listen and are blessed by this podcast will have that same prayer in your lives, that you will invest more in your spiritual heritage than in your material heritage. But seek the Lord first, and then all the things that you need, both material and and spiritual will be added to you because that's how God does it. That's how he does it in his economy. And so I want to be one of those women that that looks to him, that seeks first his kingdom because he in him is everything we need for life and godliness. It's all in the Bible. It's all in his word. And the more we come to know his word, the more we will our feet will be planted like a stream. It will be planted next, like a stream. Will be our roots will go deep, as Psalm one teaches us. You know that how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, who does not stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. If you belong to the Lord, He knows the way. He knows your way, and He's helping you. And as you are one of those women whose delight is in the law of the Lord, that you delight in it, it's not something that you dread, that not something that you don't want to do, but ask God to make it your delight, that you delight in His commands, that you delight in His laws. And then meditating on those laws day and night, his word, it doesn't mean you're walking around always holding your Bible, but as you've learned his word, he brings it to your mind and it's it's there day and night and you ask him for those things. And then he says, when you do that, you will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. And that means your roots grow deep and you're continually nourished by the... It's, you're continually nourished. And what's so great about that is because you'll yield fruit. God's the one who yields the fruit in your life. You don't create it. He does it when you abide in him. And then your leaf will not wither. And then whatever in whatever you do, you will prosper. And you will prosper spiritually. That's the intent here. So I leave you with that as I close out this early Sunday morning podcast. I'm... Um, Looking forward to gathering with God's people this Lord's Day. I hope you are as well. And let me close out in prayer. Father, I thank you for everything that you continue to remind me of in your word. I thank you for Psalm 127, Psalm 112, Psalm 128, Psalm 1, just 
all of your word. And I pray that all of us would remember that this is a pilgrim journey and we are to walk with you through it and trust you with every aspect of our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode of Rare But Real, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. And share this podcast with friends. Follow Audrey on Instagram and Facebook at Mothering From The Heart. And listen to all her messages on the Search the Scriptures app.